I'm going to share a little bit from my heart. Um, kind of a state of the church address. Because for about a year, the Lord has been stirring and stirring and stirring in my heart where we are as a church. And how what we're doing fits into our purpose and our vision and who we are as a people and who I am as a pastor and, and what impact are we going to have uh, in, in this neighborhood and in the neighborhoods and where you live. And so what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit out of Hebrews chapter 12 and hopefully share with you some of the things that have been on my heart uh, for the past, some of these things, two, two years, some of them three uh, some of them uh, very recently. And hopefully what this will do is will resonate with you as well. Because I, I, I was talking to a couple who uh, was in my office um, about a few weeks ago, and they were talking about different things about Living Spring that, that kind of frustrated them or wasn't kind of what their expectations were. And um, I told them before the meeting, and I said, I guarantee you, Whatever you're frustrated with, I'm more frustrated. <laughs> I'm more upset, right? And so I started thinking about, you know, what, what, what were the expectations? For those of you who are new, I don't mean to bore you with the story, but I wasn't a pastor before this. I've been here three years, and I was in uh, import-export before that, and um, not drugs, so that's good. Uh, every time I say import-export, they're like, oh, yeah. Came to Christ in prison, did you? No. <laughs> no. Um, and uh, the Lord had called Lisa and I to full-time ministry 10 years prior. And different things had come up, different church planning opportunities and different churches uh, to become a uh, pastor at. And the Lord always said no until Living Spring. And when I drove on campus here, uh, the Lord didn't say no. And that's usually when he says no is right when I, right when I drive on campus. And so uh, it was really bizarre. So I, I preached here for four weeks, and I, 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 I was trying to you know, ask the Lord, show me, what, what's, what's going on? What am I supposed to do? And then you guys hired me, and I remember Monday morning, I used to take Fridays off. Now I take Mondays off. But Monday morning, I was sitting at my desk in my office going, I'm a pastor now. And now I'm supposed to lead this church and I haven't a clue <laughs> as to what I'm doing. And so about a week ago, I was thinking, well, what was the expectation, right? I mean, you hire a guy who's got no pastoral uh, uh, um, experience at all, hasn't been to seminary. I mean, what, what was the expectation that like in a year, we'd turn it around and we'd just be jamming? Well, what was the expectation? I was going before the Lord. And I said, yeah, Lord, what? I mean, what? What, what would everybody expect? That it would just be turned around in a year? And the Lord said, that's what you expected. And I was like, was not. <laughs> I started thinking, that was my expectation. It was going to be run like a business. You could turn a business around in a year, that's no problem. Give me the budget. Give me who's, who we have. Who do we hire? Who do we fire? We'll get it done. And the Lord began to show me this process of the last three years of how I was learning how to become a pastor. I've never, I was never comfortable with it in the beginning. And people say, Pastor John, I'm like, no. 
John's fine. Johnny-o, big buddy, that's great. The Lord began to show me these different milestones in these three years of kind of how he's changed my heart and how he's shown me different things and how I, you know, I've needed this time. And after three years of pastoring this church, I am more energized and focused than ever before. I feel like it's like I just started again with just a little more experience <laughs> than zero. <laughs> so last night I was, I, I was trying to work the sermon out. I, I just couldn't get it to work. And that never happened. Even when it doesn't work, I can force it. Little, okay? You guys are like, yeah, no, I've heard some of those. Yeah. <laughs> we know which ones they are. So you ain't tricking anybody, right? And I'm like, man, I can't even get this forced. And then Lisa says, well, why don't you pray about it? What's that going to do? <laughs> right? I'm like, you know, you're right. I haven't prayed about it. So I go into the, my, my bedroom and uh, I get down on my knees. I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And he said, share your heart. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. So let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews chapter 12. It's on your uh, bulletin if you need it. Therefore, since we are surrounded... By such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Did you know, church, that God has a race marked out for us? Not only with us individually, but for us as a church, as the body of Christ. I'm going to read it again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything that hinders, and the sin which so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Christian life is de uh, described as a race. Paul describes it as a race uh, four time, five times in the Bible if, you, if, you, if uh, you count Hebrews and if you think Paul was the writer of Hebrews. Some say no, some say yes. It's still the word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, it says, Don't you know that all who run in a race... Uh, run to get, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way that you get the prize. And then he goes on, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I don't box just by beating the air, but I buffet my body. I make it my slave, lest possibly after I've preached to others, I myself would be disqualified. It's a race, it's a boxing match. This is a marathon that we're on, church. It's a marathon. Three years is nothing. It goes on in Galatians chapter 5 or 7. You were running a good race. It, it says in the NIV, who cut in on you? You ever watch a race? You're running, they're running, and you watch the guy in the back, and he goes to make his move. You ever seen that when we were watching the Olympics? And he goes, he goes, and he cuts right in, and bam, he wins. 
In Galatians, it says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? You were paying attention, right? In uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, he says, Brothers, I don't consider myself of having taken hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, and I strain forward. The Greek word is the idea that he's, he's straining to get over that finish line to what lies ahead. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. The Christian life is a race. I made the unbelievable mistake one year of my life, and I decided to run a marathon. Don't ever do that, by the way. Just take my word for it. And what killed me in the marathon was the fact that it was so long, but also the training. The train, I was at work at lunchtime. I'd run six miles every other day. And then on the weekends, I'd run eight and then 12 and then 15. And it was just like, it, it took over every other part of my life, this marathon. Also that I could give myself 26.2 miles of pain. I, I don't know why I did that. But I started thinking about the Christian life and, and, and kind of who we are as a church and like, who we are as a society where we just want that quick fix. We just want, we want it done. I want Living Spring done. I want all you guys to be small. I want every single person here to be a small group leader. You've thrown away the sin that so easily entangles and you're just like jamming and you've got 10 people that you're in charge of or they're in your care. You're checking up on them. That's not going to happen. It takes a long time. The Lord was showing me that in Hebrews, that this, it's this race, this marathon, this marathon race. You say, well, why are you talking about this? Well, I want to divide this up into four uh, quick sections here. The first one is this one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, what is he talking about? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11, he describes a radical Christianity. A Christianity that would give up everything, everything. I want to read just some of the stuff here. I'll start, um, you know what, I'll just start in verse 32 of chapter 11. And, and what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses were turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. You go, wow, that's the kind of faith I want. I want to rout foreign armies. Well, then it goes on, and it says, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. And refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were cleaned, uh, were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. Radical Christians. Radical. They were sawn in two? Ouch. 
started thinking about what's going on in my life. Am I ready? Am I ready for that? What does 2009 have for Living Spring? I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those changes that are coming. But these are the cloud of witnesses that are watching now. Some commentators say it's a stadium of these guys who are going there watching us race. I'm telling you that that could be the imagery. But I guarantee you Moses, if he's at the feet of Jesus right now, isn't too concerned with what I'm doing. (laughs) He's at the feet of Jesus, right? He's worshiping. It's more like a hall of... Of fame. We call it the Hall of Faith sometimes. But it's like when you go to the football Hall of Fame or the baseball Hall of Fame, you go and you watch all, you look at all these people and you come out excited about football. Like, wow, I want to start. You ever been around an athlete and you're thinking, you know, I need to start exercising a little more. You ever do that? That's what it's like. It's like, look at these guys. Look what they did. Look, look at all the things they did. And how does my faith match up with theirs? And it comes up lacking. It goes on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. They ran with faith and endurance. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many of you have a sin that has just been dogging you for years? And you're like, man, I just want, I didn't know, I didn't ask for hands. Don't even put your hands down, don't worry about it. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to point you out or anything. All right, you just, that, that one thing that just keeps going, or, or maybe you've struggled with depression for. The Lord can take that away in an instant. We can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, move forward, move past that, turn that into nothing. Okay? And as a church, what I would love to see in 2009, here, there's a book called Good to Great, and it has an idea of, uh, it's called the flywheel. If you picture in this room a giant wheel of stone about this high, I mean, imagine how, how heavy that would be, but there's really good, it's on really good ball bearings, but it's just heavy, okay? And there's little pegs on it, and it's got a little thing in the middle, and we're all pushing on this, this wheel, giant, giant wheel. And you go, and we're all going around, and, and it's hard, and we're pushing, and we're sweating, and we're going, and it's, it budges, and then it moves slowly, and slowly, and slowly, and we get it around one turn, and then it's kind of a little easier, because it's now starting to roll, so now we're just walking, but we're pushing real hard, everyone's working, everyone's working hard, we're going, we're going, and then it comes around three times, and soon we're all kind of like jogging with our peg and like, eh, this isn't too bad okay right we're going around going around and then soon we're sprinting soon we have to stop and we're just and this thing is just motoring right and then soon you're just kind of like a basketball you're just slapping the side of it it's the idea that that initial time is hard and then it goes faster and faster and faster. And some of the great churches, when you go there and you go, oh man, this is awesome. That's where they are. They're just slapping aside. All their structures in place. Their cell groups are in place. Their pastors are in place. They got all this kind of stuff. I feel like the last three years, we just completed one revolution. That's, that's the imagery that I feel in my heart. And we're ready for another one. 
And the great thing about it is it takes less time each time to make a revolution, right? So it's my sense that when we run with endurance, when we, when we, when we, through faith and endurance, we keep pushing and pushing and pushing. If we could hang on, because I'm, I'm the worst. The church is never as good as I want it to be. I'm the, I'm out of, I guarantee out of all of you, I'm the most critical. But I'm also probably the most optimistic. Because I know the vision God has given us. It's to reach our neighborhoods and the surrounding communities with the love of the Father. And to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son. And to respond to a move of the Spirit. And in 2009, our prayer, our overriding prayer, again and again and again, and it was birthed uh, with Lisa and I uh, in our prayer walks, is 2009 is an outpouring of God's Spirit. I, we can, I can set up structures. I can do this. You can all climb aboard or whatever. But if the Holy Spirit isn't there, it's ex- exactly like the Lessigs we're talking about. They can start a school and teach people and teach people how to cultivate land and do all that stuff. But unless Jesus is there, it's nothing. Unless an outpouring of the Spirit happens, I could come up with... There's a section in Scripture that says, unless the Lord builds a house, don't even waste your time. That's my own version by the way so we're surrounded by these these weak uh, these uh, witnesses and then it says let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us the greek word for race is agoni which is where we get our word agony it is a race guys we've been talking for months it is a battle the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of heaven And unfortunately, see, when this book was written, Hebrews, the one we're reading out of, their thing was was legalism. So when he says those things that encumber, throw off those things that encumber you, that slow you down, he's talking to them about legalism. Don't be so legalistic. It's holding you back. In America and for us today, that thing is comfort. It's not legalism so much. As a matter of fact, the pendulum is swung out here. We're no longer legalistic anymore. We're just like, hey, whatever, man. I don't have to come down on everybody for everything. It's comfort. That's the thing we struggle with most because it's so easy in America to be comfortable. We get everything we want right away. I mean, gas prices go up and you'd think that the whole world is coming to an end, you know? You watch the news. It says, let us throw those things off. Everything that hinders, that word is bulk. Listen, church, I, 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 I get so excited about this kind of stuff. I feel like just ru- running around. <laughs> I, get, I believe 2009 is going to be a landmark year for this church. Not, not Living Spring, the organization. Living Spring is nothing but for the kingdom. And for some of us, this year, we're going to lay aside some bulk. <laughs> we're going to... You ever seen a guy get his paper in the morning at 6 o'clock in the morning? He's dressed in those real baggy sweats and he's just kind of walking out with his cup of coffee, right? That, that's how I feel sometimes I, I am. Sometimes we are. We, get, we just get comfortable. And 2009 is going to rock you. I, I, just, I just sense it in my spirit that there's going to be a lot that changes. One thing that's going to change hopefully within the next couple months, is we're going to get an associate pastor uh, to come in. And uh, you go, well, then what are you going to do? <laughs> well, take a vacation. No, uh, I'm not. 
And, and, uh, and someone on staff asked a great question. He said, well, what, why do you need an associate pastor? Um, you know, because uh, really, I mean, I, I could probably handle all of you guys. I mean, it's not, you guys are easy. It's an easy church. I, nobody calls me up whining or anything like that. It's easy. You guys are easy. And if we want to stay exactly easy for the rest of our lives, let's do it. It's me and you. But don't you sense in your spirit that there's something better. I do. I, I, I sense that God is birthing a move of his spirit unlike anything we've seen before. And I don't know. You know sometimes the Lord speaks to me and it turns out to be totally different. I don't know. But I want you to vi- think about what your life would be like if you could get rid of that thing that hinders, that bulk. If you could, if you could, what your life would be if you didn't have that thing weighing you down, shame from your past, some sin. He says, let us throw those things off. They hinder and the sin which so easily entangles. When I was, um, when I ran that marathon, um, I had these sweats that came from a cruise line uh, and, and they were light, they, Wow. They were really ugly. Uh, they were light blue, but I got that. What's that? Turquoise. Yes, they were turquoise. Thank you, ma'am, for <laughs> bringing that memory up again. But uh, so I knew I didn't want them, so I brought them to the marathon because it was cold. It started early in the morning. It was cold, and when the when the gun went off, it was awesome. I was in the back crying because I knew what was coming, and and so I saw. All these sweats just go up in the air. Everyone, they had all their sweats on and they all decided. And what, it was really cool because what, what, the, what they do at a race like that is they gather all the sweats and they pass them out to the homeless. They, you, everyone decides they're not going to have these sweats anymore. And they all went off and then everybody's stripped down to their running gear. Stripped down probably wasn't the term I w- would have used again <laughs> if, if I were preaching this in a second service. Which is another thing that will most likely change this year. Two services. And you go, well, why? We we all fit. We do now. But see, what happens is, and for those of you who got my email about why we went to chairs, when a person walks in and a room is 66% full, it feels too full to kind of crawl over people. And so what happens is, we just stay where we are. And I've watched this. I watch our numbers, not because I, I'm really into numbers, but I, I always, I'm always looking at things that can be measured because I love to measure things. And you've watched. The, the, all the statistics show these barriers to growth. And we right now are on a barrier. It's the 200 to 250 barrier. That's where we are. And so I've been going before the Lord literally for a year going, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And, and he's like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like, wait, wait for what? Wait for you. And the Lord began to just change so many things in me. Not that I had, you know, all the sin and stuff. But they were encumbrances. They were bulk that I was carrying with me. A lot of it was a lack of faith. I love to just get it done. Like when Lisa said, well, why don't you pray about it? Like that's, that's inefficient. <laughs> because then I have to go in and then I have to come back out again. It's inefficient. It's more bulk that needs to be removed. See what I'm saying? So let's move on. Get to the best part here. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. 
the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The famous book, The Purpose Driven Life, starts out, it's not about you. And uh, I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for your life, and it's to glorify him. Period. That's it. The more we're like Jesus, the more God gets glorified. And so in this race, as we race as a living spring and as we race as people, we fix our eyes on Jesus, which is kind of why we've been going through Matthew, which we'll start again next week. Is it just seeing, what did Jesus do? How did he do it? How did he pray? How did he relate to his heavenly father? He's the example. It's Jesus. And that's why we get dangerous if we're looking like fixing our eyes on the next move of the spirit and something happens. You know, Lisa and I, we, our background is weird. It's like conservative, charismatic. <laughs> it's like a bizarre background we have in the church, but we feel comfortable both places. And so we've been involved in some great moves of the spirit that you'd probably go, uh, freaky, but it was awesome to see. Now, if I just get fixed on that, I'm just looking everywhere for that again. If, 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 if something happens to me, something bizarre in the spirit of God, and it feels so good, and I go, yes, that's it, and I just start following, that's dangerous. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, this year, some of you are going to be challenged in ways you never thought possible. Some of you are going to lead small groups, and you're going to go, man, no, no, no. I'm not qualified. You're not qualified. I'm not qualified to be a pastor. Paul writes and he says, nothing qualifies me except Jesus. Some of you are going to give more than you ever gave. You go, oh, this is, now he gets to it. Now he's talking about money. Absolutely. Some of you are going to give, some of you are going to start tithing this year in an economic crisis. Some of you are going to get rid of stuff you never thought you could get rid of. Because we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. Look, if you fix your eyes on me, you are going to be let down every time. I will bore you. I will offend you. I'm just, I'm human. If you fix your eyes on your small group leader, or if you fix your eyes on some guy, some podcast you listen to, or some book you read, you will be let down. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will never, ever, ever be let down. All our hope is in him. All of it. We got a new president talking about hope and change. God bless him. We are to pray for him. But he ain't going to do it, guys. He's not going to solve our problems. Jesus is going to do that. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was um, the idea of this associate pastor. Uh, So, if you read pastor books, which you don't, but I I love them. (laughs) Just can't get enough of them. And you kind of look at different patterns and stuff. If, 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 you're, if your vision is to have your church grow, you get an associate pastor at about 150, okay? Uh, because that way, and, and, and the role of the pastor changes dramatically. When listen, when we grow, we don't become a larger living spring. It's not just a larger of who we are now. We become a different species, really. We become a different church. And for some of us, that's going to be a real bummer. Because one of the things that we're hanging on to, one of the things that hinders us, 
is being comfortable with the past. And that's going to change. I don't want us to be the same next year as we were this year. And I loved this year. I loved it. I loved the year before. And I loved the year before that. I love this church. I think about it every day, all day long. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. I wake up in the morning thinking about it. I think about everything. Some of you don't even know I think about you. I'm a, I'm a stalker when it comes to this church. How much you guys are on my heart and just how much I long to see everyone here just setting aside that sin, setting aside those encumbrances, and just running, sweats off, just jamming, fixing our eyes on Jesus. But there's some things that are holding us back, and one is structure. If you had asked me when I first started what I wanted to see out of this church, what I want to see is a new person who doesn't know Jesus walk through those doors Watch them get loved and supported. Get them plugged in if they want. Not, you know, if they want to find another church, that's fine. We're not going to kidnap them. But watch them go all the way from reach. They get their life straightened out, restore, and they're responding to the move of the Spirit. And they're either gone, uh, go and do some radical thing for Jesus, or they're here doing something radical for Jesus. That's my vision. But we don't have the structure for that yet. Right? Why not after three years? I don't know. It's driving me crazy. I want classes, 101, 201, 301, that take somebody from a new believer or just uh, um, wanting to just learn about the Bible to learning about what their gifts are and then having those gifts being used. To sit here every Sunday is a waste of life. God didn't design us for this. God designed us for action. If I fantasize about this church, we're doing four radical service projects a year. Like we just show up, you know, I just show up to Garden Grove City Council and go, hey, I got 150 people that want to cover graffiti. What, what do you want me to do with them? I got, I got 150 people, I got 200 people, I got 300 people who could be picking up trash, and we're just dying to pick up trash. Where would you like us to go? People who are looking outside themselves. It goes on, it says this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If I have a prayer for you, it's that as a church, we don't grow weary. How can we? When we're, when we're supplied by the Holy Spirit, how can we grow weary? How is it possible when you have that kind of power? When you have a loving God who knows exactly what you're going through. So, an associate pastor, two services. Those two services, when we first start out, are going to be anemic. Imagine taking this whole section and just dispersing it. And then this whole section dispersing it. You go, man, it's going to look empty. More to reach. More to reach. We're going to change our worship. Worship's going to be different. We're kind of pretty much change everything as God directs. And I'm telling you, I've never been more excited. I said this before. I've never been more energized. I think this economic downturn is fabulous because we can get our eyes off of that. The next raise, the next thing. And it's just like, you know, I've talked to some people and it's so funny because I'm the same way. It's like, 
so, you know, I still have a job. Praise God, I still have a job. Right? That's what they say. It's like, just a year ago, it was like, I need that raise. I need that promotion. I need that. That's just like, oh, praise God, I just have a job. Exactly where God wants us, right? To be content. We're going to go uh, into a slower time of worship, and I don't really care what you do, okay? Typically, we open up the altar. You can do that again. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for one thing, and that is an outpouring of God's Spirit. And that might n- not look like any different in the church, but it might in your life be something radically different. And as we go into 2009, let that just keep flowing out. Lord, I need, a, I need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. It's not something wacky. It doesn't mean that one day we'll all be swinging from the chandeliers. It just means this power that we, we were able to get through things we weren't able to get through before. That when change happens at Living Spring, we go, man, I wonder what God's going to do. That's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Maybe, it, maybe the Lord's telling you for 2009, for the first time in your life, you're going to raise your hands during worship as just some wacky craziness. <laughs> right? You might actually sing. You might actually do something crazy during worship and just kneel at your chair. I mean, that would just be, can you imagine how bizarre you'd, everyone would stare at you and point at you and laugh at you if you did that, right? <laughs> Something crazy like that. God has got plans for us, church, individually and as a church, that we cannot even imagine. But it's going to have to happen through an outpouring of His Holy Spirit, through us being humble, ready to change, ready to let things go. Listen, it starts with me. I've got to be able to let things go that maybe I'm holding on to.